0: If there's just one IGTV or YouTube episode that you watch with this podcast in all of your existence, make it this one. This is all about to drill or not to drill. Because frankly, I believe that many, many dentists all over the world are drilling caries too much too often. And this should stop now. Hi guys, I'm Jazz Glanti. I will not keep you or bore you any longer. I want to go straight to the episode with the legend that is Lewis McKenzie. The story behind this episode is that some months ago, I posted on the two main UK dentist Facebook groups, that's the UK dentists and four dentists by dentists. Uh, and I posted some photos of anterior caries. And I got around about, I think 5,000 dentists in total to actually view it according to the stats I have uh, and 1,500 or thereabouts engagement, So people actually clicking on uh, several comments and it split the nation down the middle. Half of you wanted to drill the life out of these lesions. Half of you want to slap on some fluoride and review it. So we'll find out what Louis uh, Mackenzie wanted to do. So you can see there's anterior lesions, the proximal. There's a crack line there. Uh, a lot of you are itching to get your handpiece out right now while you're watching this. Uh, but you know it's a fant- it's a fascinating topic, really is. So I'm, I'm really really happy to have Louis on. Uh, please join us for this full episode on on to drill or not to drill. Uh, the answer is around about somewhere halfway. If you want to skip straight to that, but why would you? There's so much. Um, Useful stuff that Lewis McKenzie shares with us for carry detection process. Uh, and so much more insight and and into the complexity of when or when we shouldn't be drilling into teeth. Uh, The Protrusive Dental Pearl I have for you is uh, something that uh, I borrowed from Lou McKenzie and it's on my course uh, the Reservoir and Bridge Masterclass which by the way uh, on the 31st of May is going up to $90 or after the 31st of May Uh, before 31st of May if you use the code May 2020 it'll give you $68 off so it's $22 only. Uh, I'm doing this a lot for charity because a lot of the money is going to charity and the rest of its fees ads. That I'm doing basically. It's it's my way of contributing for lockdown uh, and I've already had some great feedback. People who, who said it's perfect for e-learning. People who've messaged me say that it's made RBBs very clear for them. I'm so pleased to hear it. I personally do think after uh, spending weeks uh, on, on creating this course that it is the best value CPD you'll do the entire lockdown period. So if I'm wrong, I'll give you your money back. That's that's how confident I am. So um, please join me on the RBB Masterclass. The website is rbbmasterclass.com and the pearl I have for you Uh, is that um, sometimes if you're doing an immediate reservoir bridge, I'll just show you a few slides from from the course itself. Uh, When you're doing an immediate, you're taking a few risks. You're taking a few aesthetic risks and a few technical risks. So what if the lab work doesn't quite come back as you want it and you're going to be removing a tooth that day and, and placing the bridge there so your lab work needs to be on point so that communication aspect comes in. And the other aspect is the aesthetics. What if the aesthetics are not ideal, uh, and then you're going ahead and uh, placing this bridge? Well, to overcome the risk of the aesthetics, i.e., the shade match of the of the bridge pontic not being ideal, or the shape or morphology not being ideal for the day that you're going to fit the immediate reservoir and bridge, you can do a split pontic. So here are some photos that Louis um, gave to me to as part of my um, online lecture on reservoir and bridges uh, on the split pontic technique. And basically, what you, what you do is you request the laboratory to make the framework. As normal, and on top of the framework, there has been some composite placed uh, as a core, and then you get a separate pontic ceramic pontic that actually can uh, bond on to the composite core. And the benefit here is that. You can check the fit of the framework and obviously bond that on, and then you can check um, whether you're happy and the patient's happy with the shade and aesthetics of 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 the pontic. Because if uh, the patient is not happy, then all you need to do is cement the pontic in with a temporary cement. But if you're happy, you're gonna go ahead and follow your adhesive protocol, which we discussed on the course. So the split pontic technique is really good for immediate reservoir bridges on patients with high expectations and high smile lines. So that's one of the pearls I'm going to share with you today. So let's jump straight to the episode now with Lewis McKenzie, all about to drill or not to drill carries when and why. Today is uh, not, I mean, today is not about sexy composites, veneers, aesthetics. This is something that needs to be more on Instagram rather than that sort of stuff, it, or, or, or on the social media platforms and dentistry. This is a massive,
1: huge daily topic. You're right, it doesn't lend itself to uh, to Instagram. But for me, it is a sexy subject that says probably too much about me. Welcome to the Protrusive Dental Podcast, the forward-thinking podcast for dental
0: professionals. Join us as we discuss hot topics in dentistry, clinical tips, continuing education, and adding value to your life and career. With your host, Jazz Gulati. Protrusive Dental Podcast, it's an absolute honor to have you. Uh, thank you, Jazz,
1: uh, and nice to meet you as well.
0: Thanks so much, and I mean, uh, it's your first time, sort of, you're you know, virtually meeting me, but I've been to quite a few of your lectures, uh, and and the reason I thought of you to bring you on on this topic of of caries management in in, in primary care, which is such a huge topic, is you really had a massive influence on me in about, I think it was 2011, 2012, BDA conference, you were at the the main stage, about 400 people, you had this massive wide screen. Uh, and it was not only a very informative educational lecture, it was very funny as well. And I really liked your teaching style. So I, I then came on to future courses as well. But at that lecture, the way you had managed carries was like, a paradigm shift for me. It really was. So you'd always stuck in my mind. And you know, now and again, I see a bite wing and I sometimes think what would Lewis do? Honestly, It's it's true, hundred percent. So when 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 this podcast uh, came to be, I'd already earmarked you as one of the people I really wanted to have on the show to to talk about this. So uh, just for the listeners out there, who uh, the small minority who don't know who you are already, just uh, tell us about about you know uh, your your daily um, life and work and whereabouts you're working at the moment.
1: Okay, Um, so uh, yeah, I've I've been qualified for thirty years this year. I've worked continuously in the same pra- practice, um, which I think immediately makes you more minimally invasive anyway, because you mm. see all your, your failures come back to uh, to, to haunt you, um, and uh, you know the big big stuff. Sometimes there's no plan B, uh, so yeah, I still consider myself to be a GDP, but that's a s- small part of what I do now. Um, so my main job is sort of teaching undergraduate teaching at Birmingham uh, Dental School and uh, postgrad teaching. Uh, uh, mainly postgrad courses, sort of private postgrad courses, uh, but also I do um, uh, plenty of uh, uh, plenty of work with young graduates, FDs, um, and uh, my sort of latest uh, latest sort of role. I run the MSC in restorative dentistry at uh, a Birmingham Dental School. That's just uh, in its third year now, so I'm certainly enjoying that. Um, Is that with the uh, Professor Buck? Uh, yep, that's with Trevor. Yep, it's the it's the, it's the new course. Trevor's run the, has the longest running uh, MSC uh, in advanced general dental practice, uh, and now that has been sort of uh, evolved into an MSC in restorative dentistry, which is a, a two year blended learning program. Also, do a bit down at Kings as well in the postgrad department there with the two Banerjee's, uh, Avi Banerjee on the MI Masters and uh, yeah. Sabir Banerjee on the Aesthetics Masters as well. So yeah, a real, uh, a real range of, uh, of things, lots of different bosses to, uh, to keep happy.
0: Brilliant, and um, I, I'm a big fan of uh, Dipesh Parma, his work, his philosophy, and I believe you were his uh, inspiration, his mentor. I mean, I, I, that's, at least he credits you uh, for that. So that speaks volumes about you as an educator, I think. That's that, that's kind of
1: that's kind of switched roles now because he <laughs> <he's> <laughs> when mine, the student uh, has become the master. Oh, indeed, yeah, proper Jedi. Uh, so yeah, he's uh, yeah he's. You must be so proud. now You must be really proud. Oh, extremely, yeah, absolutely. um I mean, right, right from the word go. I think over the years, one thing uh, I, I think I have. Become pretty good at is actually spotting talent, um, and uh, right from right from the word go, there was just something different about Depeche He just got this natural eye for stuff, um, and um, yeah, it's been an absolute delight to watch him go from strength to strength. Sort of uh, internationally famous, uh, famous lecturer, and the and the stuff that he's doing with composite is just uh, off the scale. Um, uh, and so, yeah, it, it, it's fantastic. As uh, as I often say to the you need to be as good as good as me. Uh, i 'm training you to be much much better and, and they are e- every year but uh, Depeche is one of the first uh, a real sort of uh, innovator and there's the, there 's lots of people snapping at his heels but he's he's moving fast. Certainly is, but um, today
0: is uh, not. I mean, today is not about sexy composites, veneers, aesthetics. This is something that needs to be more on Instagram rather than that sort of stuff because or, or, or on the social media platforms and dentistry. This is a massive, huge daily topic, uh, daily controversies that we face caries. And I want to just uh, dive right in and ask you, uh, some really pertinent questions, uh, about caries. And, and I'm gonna start straight away with the following one. So I think most GDPs are not using a caries assessment system. Would you agree with that in your experience To t- talking to GDPs in, in the field and, and uh, when you educate about this stuff? And um, what, what is your advice to these GDPs about the caries systems out there? Because it can, it can get very confusing, especially if you haven't been taught that at undergraduate
1: level. Yeah, I think uh, probably most dental schools do teach it, but I don't know how strong the focus is. I know Kings with Avi Banerjee, it's it's literally uh, front and front and foremost. Uh, I, I teach those particular subjects at uh, at Birmingham. But uh, but uh, you know uh, certainly from your question, uh, yeah, I um, I think what you're implying is that the majority of people don't use a caries uh, um, assessment system, Um, and uh, and many from uh, unfortunately people I've also taught uh, don't even know (laughs) that one exists. True, uh, from my experience of reading people's notes, uh,
0: working many practices internationally, Singapore here, uh, uh, also working alongside American US trained. Harvard, you name it, uh, dentists in Singapore, I was there and I will check their, check their notes. No one would mention anything in their diagnoses that would suggest that they were A, aware or B, happy to utilize that system. So this seems to be an international issue and hoping that will change it, if you think it has a place. And that's what I am wanted to, to lead this conversation that, you know, have they got a place in, in contemporary dentistry?
1: Uh, I think definitely not just for, well, for a number of reasons, um, uh, just to sort of uh, recap, I mean, the, the, the system that's sort of internationally recognised um, is the uh, ICDAS system, uh, Inter- International Caries Detection and Assessment System originally dreamed up by some cariologists in a dark room uh, (laughs) over many (laughs) days. Um, And so the actual system itself um, is actually quite a complicated system, but a simplified version of it is something that's really, really easily put into, into clinical practice. Uh, because basically uh, caries, as we know, every single lesion is different um, uh, and uh, it is difficult to uh, detect, it's difficult to monitor. Um, uh, but having a system, which is literally just a, a one to six numbering system, it actually makes you think about the disease, um, helps monitor it, and also, most uh, you know, very importantly, from a sort of a dental legal point of view, just literally by writing sort of one digit, um, it demonstrates that you've detected it and you've diagnosed it um, and you know that it's there. So, uh, so certainly in this sort of uh, increasing the uh, litigious environment, I think the system um, works well
0: where can one go to, if there's a dentist listening to this and thinking, Oh, I didn't know systems exist," like or you know what I really should be using a system. Uh, where is the best resource for them to learn? Cause I think it's a bit beyond this podcast episode to, to, to go through that all. I mean, if you want to do a, a quick summary, if that's even possible, possible in an audio format, but where can one go to learn more about that if they want to implement it in their
1: workflow and diagnoses? Um, there's just loads of stuff uh, out there. Don't go to the sort of the, uh, the super complicated um, uh, sort of documents, which are sort of multi-page, which are all about sort of epidemiological studies uh, on caries, which is obviously it's incredibly important to base our caries management uh, protocols on. Um, but the basic system, literally just click on anything, um, click on Google Images, and you'll find uh, hundreds uh, of sort of um uh, nicely illustrated guides. The basic system uh, is quite simple. Uh, it's sort of zero to six. Zero, basically, you look at the tooth, looks normal. You don't have to write a, uh, write a zero. Um, a code one is one of those lesions that uh, you've got to dry the tooth to see it. You know, When you dry the fissures or you dry a smooth surface and you get that sort of uh, opaque uh, whiteness, that's the earliest visible sign of, uh, of caries. Uh, So that would be a code one. Then a code two is a lesion um, wherever it might be, which is visible wet or dry. Three is when you start to get a little bit of cavitation, so there's some enamel breakdown as well. Um, so obviously by putting these numbers, you can actually, you can actually record that a carrier's lesion is getting, uh, um, staying the same or, or getting worse. So it's good for monitoring. Four, I think, is quite an important one because those, those uh, lesions that we're quite familiar with, where you've got a lot of shadowing um, under the dentine, no obvious cavity, but you just know that something is cooking underneath there. Um, uh, and then five is a lesion uh, which is got obvious dentine exposure, so a, a cavity. You might need to remove carry uh, you might need to re- remove some food debris to visualize it. Mm. So that's a five and then six basically is just a big lesion that sort of is covering about half of the tooth um uh, so uh, so over fifty percent would be a a, 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 a um, classic classified as a, a six um, and and so that's a really really simple um a simple system to show that you've detected the lesion um, and uh, that you're thinking about it and also from a monitoring point of view because you know what it 's like if you look at two different you, you look at the same lesion every six months. You know, if you haven't got photos, um, very difficult with the number of patients we see to actually work out, has it? Stayed the same. Has it got worse? Uh, but if you've got a number there, you can think, "Oh right, yeah, yeah, that was a one last time. It's still a one now. Let's just keep a watchful, uh, uh, watchful eye on it." The good thing about caries, of course, is it, it doesn't move fast. <laughs> mm. You know, you're not going to go from a you know an early enamel lesion to in the pulp um, in six months. Um, uh, Chris Deary, the dean of your uh, of your he, he school, taught me the ICDA system. So yeah, uh, shout out yeah, to him, of course. I mean international. Personally, um, I I think I had the same sort of uh, um, experience as you did when I saw him lecture at the BDA conference, Uh, and it and it was it was an absolute revelation. The bloke's a fantastic lecturer uh, as uh, as well, Uh, and lots of things that I remember from that lecture. But uh, but one of the things that stood out was I remember he said, um, uh, caries isn't cancer," and (laughs) you know it was a fairly. Can can you say uh, that
0: again uh, in his accent? (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, I've got a Scottish surname but I can't do the accent <laughs> this is not the answer uh, no, that's, that's too Scottish uh, so um, so obviously he was making you know quite, quite a blunt point that you know if we miss uh, a leukoplakia that then turns into something nasty six months later that patient you know it may be game over uh, you may have an inoperable lesion Are you enjoying the
0: Protrusive Dental Podcast? Well, allow me to deliver you even more value. You can now download the iOS or Play Store app Absolutely nothing. We worked so hard on this, a team, and I know you're just going to love it. Now back to the main episode.
1: Um, so obviously, from a soft tissue point of view, we've got to pounce on those uh, and take a you know a very you know. Cautious, uh, a very cautious approach. But with caries, uh, because it is moving so slowly, I mean, talking about sort of um, three years to get through the uh, enamel uh, in, certain, in certain patient groups, you can adopt a much more watch and wait um, uh, sort of protocol, but as long as you 're recording things well from a dental legal point of view again, what we don 't want to do is put a lot of uh, you know watch a lot of lesions, not record it well, and patient goes down the uh, down the road to see another dentist uh, and then even though a minimally invasive strategy has been employed, it just hasn 't been um, uh, it just hasn 't been documented um, so uh, so yeah uh, it's um, uh, it's a slow moving disease um, that, uh, you know, do, again, we, we need to keep a watchful eye on it, especially with class two lesions, because some, sometimes those sort of D1 lesions can suddenly take off um, mm-hmm. uh, with no sort of uh, obvious change in the environmental conditions. Patients still brushing the same, uh, diets, diets similar. Um, so, yeah, real sort of watch and wait. Uh, but from an occlusal point of view, um, you know, it's so easy to watch the occlusal surfaces and of course yeah. to seal lesions as well. Uh, you know, if you're worried, you don't have to drill into it. Um, uh, if you don't think it's one for monitoring, just seal it. Well, you
0: touched on it just there in, in your answer there is that um, if the patient goes down the road, that's one of the big worries. I think um, young dentists have in, in monitoring lesions that maybe uh, code three, for example, and you can see it radiographically and you sort of, Get uh, the, this feeling that if you do not treat it, and the patient goes down the road, then the, another another dentist with uh, a different mindset, different you know pair of goggles would say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! You've you've got really bad decay. This needs to be uh, treated." So, what you know, not only does it need to be documented, but I do try and have a very. Um, explicit, uh, conversation, my patients so that they can really remember this conversation I'm about to have with them. So I say you have got decay and, and I'm sh- sorry to all Americans out there who listen to my podcast, but I say, if we were in America, you'd be having all these fillings done, but you're not we're in Europe and that, that this is my line and they seem to remember it. Right. Uh, so again, very sorry <laughs> to Americans. I really apologize for that, that being in the hot water there, but, but yeah, I, 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 den- I generally make a, a point to have a conversation on patient. And I think that's the only way that we can, we can address this without worrying about the patient going down the road to the other dentist right i mean how 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 do you
1: uh, tackle that surely hundred percent agree the patient's got to know where the lesions are um, you know I will give them uh, photos um you know a- email the uh, the photos of them so they know exactly where the lesions are so when the dentist detects something. Uh, when they do go to another practice, yeah, it's not a surprise. Oh yeah, yeah, I've been watching. Uh, I've been watching that lesion there. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm keeping it nice and clean. It hasn't, uh, you know, it hasn't changed. It's been like that, you know, in some cases for, for ten years. Uh, so yeah, there should be no surprises. Patients certainly shouldn't be surprised because it is, you know, it is their disease that they're carrying around. Um, but if it's arrested, nobody'd want an operation, uh, you know, anywhere in the body on something. Uh, that didn't need it. Um, uh, so, uh, and of course, uh, a good way of looking at it is if you do drill into a tooth, um, say so, so you make a mistake um, uh, and the, the lesion was active, it progresses. Six months down the line, the cavity you actually drill is going to be no bigger than the one that you would have drilled on day one. Very
0: good.
1: Um, so, and then, and once the restoration goes in, um, you know. A patient with a carious lesion is high caries risk by definition. So then you've got uh, once you've done the restoration, that high caries risk patient, because they're not not high caries risk until they're proven otherwise, has then got a whole margin of the restoration to look after uh, as well. Um, and so, a non-cavitated lesion, compared to a, say a, a, a class two composite restoration or something like that, is much easier to maintain. Um, than you know uh, than a than a material that literally from day one is experiencing sort of nano leakage and, and micro leakage, uh, so uh, yeah, uh, drilling into teeth uh, it, it might feel uh, it might feel sort of um, comfortable to do that and a safe thing to do that just in case. You know, from a biological point of view, uh, it's uh, you know you could argue it's it, it's it's not far off butchery uh, to drill into something that doesn't that is arrested and it not progressing. Uh, but your, your point about patient knowing exactly what's going on in their mouths is absolutely essential.
0: I, I like the fact that you uh, send the photos, I try and do that where I can as well, the intro camera photos so that they have a record that this has been discussed, but also they, I think that motivates them and, and they, they um, really understand what's happening in their own mouths. Um, on, that, uh, on that note, just a side question, how big of an influence does it, uh, does it have on your treatment plan? If the patient with the same mouth, but one is a regular attender and one is is an irregular attender. I mean, there's so many factors that contribute to your treatment planning and and caries, uh, but whether their attendance pattern is one of them. So I tend to be a little bit more aggressive in my treatment with someone who is irregular attender. So if there's going to be a restoration, I'd rather watch it on the regular attender. But if someone is they only coming when there's a problem and I diagnose all these caries, which is borderline. I'm more inclined to treat that person than not, but maybe, uh, maybe that's not the right way to do it.
1: No, no, I totally agree. And I think, you know, the, the evidence base would agree with that as well. If you can't be sure that, you know, if there's, if they're uh, zipping off and you might not see them for another five years classic situation if we've if you've got this sort of um i don't know say sort of co2 lesion you're just wondering should i seal this or should i drill um uh, again you know the sealants so if if, if you think they're not going to come back for another five years or something like that and i i uh, along with you be much more likely to just drill into that and just open it up because you can keep it super small um you know uh, just see how far it goes. Whether you know the difference between a you know a conventional filling and a PRR, it's you know it's very difficult to sort of actually define one from the other. Um, but you could just keep it super small and uh, just give put a nice self-cleansing restoration in there, and yeah, you've stopped the disease, and then you haven't got to worry about them um, uh, uh, sort of uh, yeah the, 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 them not caring for it. Mm-hmm. Or getting even worse and also you know if a patient's got a mouthful of them uh, obviously attack the uh, attack the worst ones first um, because you know you can be really surprised uh, it's things that you think oh yeah this is going to be a decent cavity um, is uh, a tiny and equally especially working where I work in in Birmingham you can be surprised the other way where you know loads of fluoride in the water the enamel is you know very strong very fracture resistant so you can get some serious uh, sort of uh, occult caries, yeah. as, it, uh, as it used to be called, uh, occurring under there. So you can get some massive lesions when you look at the surface and you think they don't look too bad. I mean, this is one of the things, you know, you said at the start that, you know, it's not a, <laughs> it's not a sexy subject, and it probably, you're right, it doesn't lend itself to uh, to Instagram. But for me, it is a sexy subject. That says probably too much about <laughs> me because it is well, absolutely the core of, of what we're here for um uh, and it's why dentistry exists uh and and it is almost a sort of the importance of it is almost a forgotten subject um or well, obviously not forgotten but um uh, it is a subject that probably does. It's, it's never <laughs> you're never going to have a much uh, many uh, Instagram followers uh, with pictures of various lesions. But well, we're hoping uh,
0: to change that. We're hoping to change that, and the way we're going to change might say it now. Sign
1: up. Uh,
0: <laughs> well, the way we're going to change it now is that since now that we're talking about a uh, what we mean, you agree is a sexy subject. Let's pull out some photos. <laughs> uh, now why, don't, why don't you share the, the, the PowerPoint and we can discuss uh, the, the case uh, and I'll give everyone a background while you're sharing the screen. So this is a 54 year old male patient of mine who uh, attended for an examination with me, has been to the practice uh, for over eight years. Uh, and one of the great things about the practice I work uh, in is that... Yeah, perfectly. Uh, We do plaque scores and bleeding scores um, for every hygiene visit. And this is someone who's got quite uh, impeccable oral hygiene, regular attender. uh, And first time I I was seeing him and um, that's what I found. I was like, Whoa, okay. And I had a look at the chart and nothing was um, documented. For those of you who are driving right now and listening or chopping their onions and they, they can't, they can't uh, see the photos, I, I'd urge you to check this out on YouTube to check out um, I'll, you know, have a, how many minutes this is into a podcast to, to see the photos because this is a clinical scenario that you may encounter or may have encountered many times. So um, this is, like I said, 54 year old male, regular attender. Uh, and I really struggled internally to decide whether I'd pick up the handpiece or not. And I almost treatment planned him to come back to, to start, uh, start some treatment. But I remembered we'd agreed to have this podcast episode. Uh, and like you said, Carrie's not cancer. So I was totally comfortable to, to, to send him with some fluoride and say, "No, I'm speaking with someone who, in my opinion, is um, very experienced and knowledgeable, far more than I am. Let me speak to him and, and I'll tell you what he says. So I'll be reporting back to the patient after this. But, in this scenario, let's start with the ICDAS. Can you uh, tell the ICDAS just from the photos and radiograph, or do you need some clinical input as well?
1: No, I mean, they're, they're clearly fours, aren't they? So you know we've got shadowing, we've got no obvious cavities, but we've got shadowing under the, uh, under the enamel there. Um, obviously, we've got some cracks as well. Oh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting case that you've, uh, you've chosen there. Uh, great photos as well, by the way. Um, Thank you. Uh, And I I I forgot
0: to mention actually for background information, this post uh, had around about 5,000 UK dentists look at it and 1,600 engagements. So what that means is that someone's actually clicked on and actually read more about it and flicked through and 169 comments. um, And they were literally split in half. Uh, and some of the responses were, oh yeah, who yeah, who would have thought? dentists saying, uh, and some of the responses were not only very polarized, but some were really passionate. I mean, to some people, you are extremely negligent if you if you monitor this. To others, they 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 propose the, the daughter test or the mother test, and they say, you know, I wouldn't have this on my daughter. I'd I'd watch it. Mm-hmm. So you had really, you know, uh, real polar response. And uh, the, reading these comments has, has been quite entertaining for me. Um, and and, and, and uh, one thing that I could just ask you straight up: the bat, bat is, was I right to take a radiograph? Because some, someone said that actually, why do you take a radiograph? You can tell there's caries there. That, did that really show anything? And I think, yeah, respect. But uh, for me to help me decide whether, whether I want to drill or not, the radiograph for me was important. So what do you think about the radiograph adding benefit? Does it or did I not, should I not have?
1: In this in this situation, well, certainly from a dental legal point of view, you're definitely justified. So that's that's the first thing to uh, to say. Um, um, so there's no question about it from a dental legal point of view. But equally, obviously, any radiographic um, uh, investigation should uh, improve the quality of your diagnosis or improve the outcome to the patients. Uh, Patient's treatment, but now we're we're all looking at this lesion there, and we've got the radiograph, and we're probably none the wiser. (laughs) That's true, (laughs) because of course, unfortunately, early lesions do show up terribly on X-rays, and particularly particularly with anterior views uh, as uh, as well. So I think there's a there's a good argument uh, there's a good argument uh, both ways um, uh, there. Um, So. so many would say, yeah, it, 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 it's, uh, it's not justified because it's not going to give us any more information. But, of course, until you've got the radiograph, you, you don't actually know that it's not yeah, actually... Yeah, I, I was kind of
0: hoping that it'd be really click-cut for me and then was like, okay, I definitely need to intervene now. But, uh, no, you're, you're right, we're none the wiser. So <clears throat> what would Lewis do? <laughs> well, I'm delighted is to there
1: is Is there any more information that you want? I mean, I can, I can give you the, any information. Um, I think the key to this one uh, would be I mean, we could use translumination. that's probably going to make it look even more horrible um, and probably going to push you towards um, uh, uh, towards restoring it. Uh, I think really the only way you can be certain is to put a tooth separator in so orthodontic separator now obviously they're a bit uncomfortable um, and leave that in uh, sort of. Uh, I mean, you can leave it in for a few days, but after a couple of days, you're going to get tooth separation, um, and so then you can basically take the separator out um, and um, can actually see is the surface cavitated. If the surface is cavitated, then the decision is made for you. Cavitated lesion cannot arrest. Um, The biofilm can't be removed. Even if this patient becomes an Olympic standard flosser, uh, there's no way that the lesion can not progress, albeit very, very slowly. Uh, so if there's a cavity, the, the, the job's kind of done for us.
0: So can I tell um, you what I did?
1: Yeah. I placed a wedge. Yep.
0: Yeah. And I was able to just about feel my probe to confirm there wasn't a cavity, but that crack that you see uh, on upper right one distal yeah. and upper right two, I can just feel the sort of... Um, Feel the sort of the, the the crack almost. That's what I was feeding my probe, just gently, no cavitation. Yeah. So to me, that was what that's, it was the crack that was swaying me towards treating because the crack is in you know, in some ways it, it it is a cavitation in a way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's a way for bacteria in there. Uh, we know there are bacteria in there. You know, millions of them. Uh, in fact. Um, uh, uh, and the crack really is is a tricky one um because uh now the crack has probably been caused by the lesion. Um, the demineralized enamel from a mechanical point of view uh is weaker. This patient's in his fifties. He's, he's been biting and, uh, and protruding uh, on these teeth. So it's it's cracked because it's unsupported by the um, demineralized uh, dentine uh, underneath. But obviously that crack is not an actual cavity. Uh, it's a way for bacteria in, but you know they've really got to queue up to get into that, <laughs> into <laughs> that, uh, into that lesion. Um, so, it, I mean, it's a very good case that you've chosen because it is a very difficult. There is no um, uh, if you if you separate the teeth and there is no cavity, obviously the crack's still there. Um, you know, you can see that. Um, yeah. Also, from a uh, from a class two point of view. You often see these cracks. Early carious lesions um, been there for a while, uh, and then you can get a crack right from the centre of the marginal ridge all the way down into the lesion. You'll see these quite often when you extract a tooth and there's been a there's been a a carious lesion on the adjacent tooth. You'll see these vertical cracks going right down to the lesion there. Um, So you know it's a really really tricky one uh, to uh, um, because if we drill into that, we go from a crack to a massive hole in the tooth, which is then going to have to be replaced. Patients in his 50s, so, you know, I'm, I'm sure your composites are amazing, so, but, again, um, uh, 10 years down the line, great, 20 years down the line, fantastic, let's get the balloons out. Um, but uh, the, the likelihood is that that restoration isn't going to last forever, uh, and then when it's taken out, as we all know, the cabbage is going to get bigger. Um, and of course, the average composite doesn't last that long. Um, so, you know, six to seven years, um, class three is difficult to do as well. Um, yeah. You know, regardless of rubber dam or not, uh, difficult restorations to get a perfect finish. Uh, so then we've got excess composite beyond the margins. Probably um, uh, we've got micro leakage nano leakage uh, we've got um, polymerization shrinkage stress, we've got expansion and contraction of the material which is going to be different to the um, uh, different to the tooth tissue itself so are we actually creating a worse environment than the environment that was there before um so yeah it's it's a tricky one now obviously we all know some of our colleagues we wouldn't be having this argument the only argument would be. Which which porcelain you going to use for the crown on these? <laughs> oh, hello USA.
0: I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, guys. I'm just kidding. I don't, well, then I don't know if I'm kidding or not. But okay, let's just. That's a different debate.
1: <laughs> uh, so, um, uh, so yeah, it is a really tricky one. I think. Re- uh, the, I mean, the nice thing is you know you know your patient well. You're seeing them regularly, um, and uh, the other thing. In this particular situation it's dead easy to remove the biofilm carious lesions are driven from the surface if you can remove the biofilm kind of doesn't matter what it looks like because if that does progress it's going to be so glacial that the patient is going to be 200 years old uh, before uh, uh, before you've got anything to worry about um, uh, at all so I certainly think in this particular case, uh, I would uh, adopt uh, a watch and wait uh, policy if you're making me uh, make a decision. And to be honest, we've got all the information that we would have. I mean, you've got great photos. Uh, you've got a radiograph as well there. We're going to no, get no more information if we had the patient actually in the chair other than, t- other than the tooth separation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, um, so for me, the patient can look after this lesion and you can review it regularly, and see what happens. Uh, give it the, uh, the, Deary, the, Deary test. the the dairy test. The dairy test, uh, brilliant. I love it. See how it goes. If it, it you know, and if it moves, you have got great pictures there. Um, and um, and so um, so. Let's talk about something
0: just- that would change my management in this case. So, if it was an irregular tender and the surfaces were covered in plaque. And yeah. uh, the bleed, oh, bleeding came okay, the, the plaque scores were consistently in their you know thirties and forties, uh, and maybe you know the quality of saliva wasn't so good. Then my uh, protocol or decision making here would not only be to pick up the handpiece, but I'd actually treat them all, even because because the patient's going to have an anesthetic procedure, uh, rubber dam, and that moment I just get even the smaller ones. I just restore them. It, that's it, for me. It's all or nothing. And now it. Is my all or nothing approach justifiable in that sense? If I'm gonna do, if I'm gonna
1: drill one, I'm gonna drill them all. I sometimes do that. I don't know. I keep an open mind. I keep, keep an open mind. Do the. Um, uh, I think it's in, uh, I think in dentistry we should always have the, uh, You know that flexibility to just keep all of our options open. I um, mean, the nice thing about sort of lesions, sort of opposite each other, is treat the worst. You know, say you did decide for whatever reason to drill into it or do a test drill or whatever. Um, uh, then um, the nice thing is, once you've done that, you can actually look directly at the adjacent tooth. Quite often you will see, especially on posterior uh, class twos, all the time, um, you prep one, you will always see some demineralization um, of the opposing teeth um, just because they've been living opposite a carious lesion for, for ages. So it's demineralized no cavity at all. And as soon as you put the restoration in, that tooth is going to fix itself. Teeth are very, very good at repairing themselves. Uh, you, know, we, uh, you know, We know that the odontoblasts are working day and night uh, against carious, uh, carious lesions. If, if, if we can give teeth a chance to actually remove the environmental factors, then they're going to, uh, then they're going to fix themselves. So, so yeah, if you uh, sort of prep one, and then just have a really good look with magnification, uh, ideally at the adjacent Absolutely, You can actually feel the surface carefully with a probe. Obviously, you know, not probing into the lesion, but it coming across the lesion, you can see if that surface is broken. Um, and then if not, again, take a nice photo of that. Um, you let the patient know, we've got this lesion here. You know, you, used, you, uh, you, you mentioned the daughter test, which I think is an excellent benchmark for any operative procedure. Uh, You know, would would you drill into it on your daughter? And if you wouldn't, leave it alone, Um, because uh, you're only going to make a massive hole and fill it with something um, uh, where where really you've just got to you know uh, either no defect or a little crack.
0: Brilliant. So now we know what Lewis would do, and I feel I can sleep well tonight knowing I did. Exactly that, <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll email the patient as well and say, okay, it, it was split opinion, but here's uh, here's what we think. There's no, there's no right or wrong answer, you know, because this one is a bit borderline. You know, it, it, if it was way less um, in terms of size of these lesions, then maybe maybe we'd be having a different conversation. But I, I picked a borderline one on purpose, obviously. So for those of you on the on the pages on Facebook who who said that I would definitely treat it." you know, don't, don't, I would not be,
1: you know, too hard on yourself, whatever, because. Yeah, there's no right or wrong answer. Yeah, yeah. Of course, if you drill into that lesion, again, you'd say, oh yeah, I did the right thing, there's caries there. Uh, because you just, you justify it yourself, yeah. It's not the same, but unfortunately, you drill into almost any fissure in the mouth, you, you, you will find the process of demineralization knocking around. Um, you could argue that every human has got the caries process going on all the time. Uh, the world's most common, uh, most common disease, uh, but it's only if it's progressing that it's an issue. But yeah, it's, it's a great, uh, it's a great case that you've, uh, that you've, you've chosen there because uh, I mean, I, you mentioned about it being 50, 50. I remember a good quote from one of my friends, um, uh, Professor Giles Perrier, uh, who said uh, there's only uh, um, there's only one thing that two dentists will agree on, uh, and that is that a third dentist is wrong. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, you know, that's one thing, nice thing about it. There, there isn't a unified theory of dentistry, and you know, that's what I like about it, that it is a subject, whether it's sexy or not, that it is easy to discuss one lesion for, what, 10 minutes, <laughs> 15 minutes like we just have?
0: It certainly is so. I'll we'll ask you to, Lewis, is just um, uh, switch off the screen share now. If that's okay. What's
1: cooking, what's cooking on the, um, on the uh, towards the, uh, the apices of those, um, uh, of those incisors? Um, you know, I hadn't even looked there before. <laughs> so uh,
0: yeah, so it looks like a canine, but it can't be, surely not, because uh, this person has their canines. But yeah, there is an opacity there, isn't there, on the above the upper left one.
1: There's another one for you to investigate next time. Another podcast coming up. Just, uh, that's it. Part two, part two. You just, you just
0: wanted a part two. But no. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing
0: yeah. that. Thank you for laying those yeah. images out so, so neatly there. So um, you've answered actually a lot of the other questions that I was going to get into. So the final question I want to ask is, many dentists believe that a radiographic lesion that's uh, inter- interdentine is automatically pick up the handpiece.
1: What message do you want to send to these dentists? Well, that's, again, it's a good one, and I, I don't know whether I'm actually changing my personal opinion um, on the, on this subject. Um, so, just just sort of sort of uh, to refresh, we, we've got the uh, the ICDAS system, um, which is uh, the proper ICDAS system is actually a two digit system, uh, and the, and the first digit describes whether it's a a, a tooth surface or it's a it's the margin of a restoration or margin of a sealant um, so it's actually a two-digit system uh, so but the, just the basic ICDAS system is um, uh, is uh, that you can see it's just simple one digit a different system not to be confused with the ICDAS system is the radiographic grading of carious lesions um, because the radiographic appearance is, is something very different. The radiographic appearance we know is, you know, on average six months behind what's actually going on uh, inside uh, inside the tooth from a histological point of view. Um, so the the, the the recognized system is sort of the uh, a system that basically is two digit system. Uh, so. To, uh, so basically, an, an E1 lesion, so if you're looking at a bite wing and you've got a lesion that's um, less than halfway through the enamel, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the radiolucency, then that's an E1 lesion. When the lesion then uh, extends uh, beyond the center of the enamel, wherever it might be, then that's an E2 lesion, but it's still short of the dentine. No obvious dentine changes. Then a D1 lesion is one of those lesions where you see some radiolucency in the outer third of the dentine. Uh, uh, so, sorry, did I, I meant D. Uh, so a, D, uh, a D1 lesion D, yeah. is the outer third of dentine. Uh, a D2 lesion is where you've got a radiolucency in the middle third of dentine. And then a D three lesion is when you've got deep, um, uh, deep caries, sort of inner third of dentine. Uh, you know, even if you've got sort of pulpal exposure, the, the system doesn't really go beyond uh, D three. Uh, um, so it's a useful system again for assessment. As, as Professor Banerjee, I'm quoting all the legends today. Um, Professor Banerjee or Professor Kidd, um, that uh, you know a single radiograph in time you could argue is you know it's important to information, but it's actually meaningless when it comes to Carrie's activity. The only way you can show from a radiograph that a lesion is active is if you've got two radiographs taken a minimum of six months apart. If the lesion's got worse, then that's by definition, an active lesion. So that's going to be sway you more towards uh, operative management. Um, But equally, if you've got a series of radiographs showing uh, a lesion, even if it is a D1 lesion and it's not changing, um, then um, you know, you can basically say from all the evidence that you've got, and especially from a dental legal point of view, that that is an arrested lesion. The only thing that's... Uh, and again, this is quite sort of anecdotal. And I, I, I did do a lecture once. Uh, to, to talk about uh, uh, I did a lecture, not just on on one tooth. I did a lecture on one surface, an hour lecture on one surface of one tooth. Right. Uh, and this uh, and this exact scenario happened. And it was a lesion that I followed. Um, it was a D one lesion for um, uh, for uh, I think it was six years. No change at all. Bite wings looked exactly, exactly the same. It was one of those lesions where you look at it and you think, day one, drill. Now, this patient had a number of these lesions, a lot of them, about 20 of them. So the the deeper ones uh, were, were treated, um, but then I adopted a sort of watch and wait um, policy and was really surprised that because the patient completely transformed his diet um, and oral hygiene lifestyle, um, that the lesions just stopped. Um, now he was one of the, not dissimilar to your patient that you just showed us, uh, where the lesions they're not, they're not just interproximal. You can see the old demineralization coming round onto the buccal surfaces uh, and the uh, palatal surfaces, uh, and so these lesions do you know. Can be quite deceiving when you look at them radiographically, but anyway, so I, I watched this lesion quite comfortably uh, for six years, and then six years after six years, patient just came in for a checkup, and I noticed that the marginal ridge had actually fractured, uh, occlusal load, so it had actually fractured, um, uh, and it was still there, um, but but now the lesion had uh, lesion had progressed. So it's it's one of those tricky ones with the with these the demineralization um, are they sort of slowly, slowly, slowly uh, weakening um, the tooth so that under occlusal loads, one day the marginal ridge might give up and the, and the lesion might progress? I mean, the nice thing is, after six years, the cavity was no, no bigger than it would have been if I'd steamed in on day one. Um, but, um, uh, but again, it comes back to your point, that that patient was a regular attender, really well motivated, and this is the patient that would have got twenty. Mods, if if you know uh, if if we'd taken a uh, a, a, a transatlantic view, possibly, uh, <laughs> oh, 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 I'm not telling you which direction. But uh, uh, so um, uh, so, uh, so so yeah, it's it's easy to drill into a tooth, but once it's done, it's done forever. Um, and you know you, you can't uh, you can't put the cork back in the bottle. Uh, once a tooth's been drilled, a restorative patient is a restorative patient forever. That old. Uh that old saying. So, but, uh, but equally, I think, you know, all these, these, uh, D1 lesions just slowly creeping, 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 they, were, they separated the teeth on multiple occasions. There was no cavitation of the, uh, of the- Lewis, of the you're,
0: you're the first person I ever saw who, who's ever taken a, um, light body PVS impression of the interproximal surfaces between molars.
1: Yeah, yeah, you don't get many saddos. Uh, <laughs> at, uh, you know that is uh, that is uh, in, uh, you know that is sort of a proper level OCD. It <laughs> was, was actually my was uh, my uh, uh, Prof Perrier. I mentioned uh, uh, I mentioned before, I shared an office with him for ten years. A real innovator, one of the uh, the world's leading experts on uh, blended learning uh, in, uh, in in dentistry. And yeah, so he, he showed me he showed me that trick. Uh, that wasn 't um, uh, but really you 've got to separate the teeth to do that uh, as uh, ideally unless it 's an obvious cavity then it'll show up uh, but if you separate the teeth, then you can just squeeze the impression material in there of course you 've got other ways of doing the uh, look uh, you know from radiographic point of view uh, these various different scanning um, uh, scanning procedures uh, that you can use in between the teeth uh, as well but I think the this when it's if it's an enamel lesion yeah and it's non cavitated uh on the surface yeah again surely none of us would ever want that done in our own to our own teeth uh, but i think when it's when it's getting into the dentine i think we've definitely got to get away uh, from that sort of that trigger response that dentine caries equals drill uh, because that that's just not sophisticated enough for uh, you know for the, for the modern uh, for the modern clinician um, and lewis do you watch um,
0: do you watch d2 lesions as well uh, in the right patient um right, radiographically or is that uh, i mean uh, that's such an open question because there's so many variables i suppose but
1: yeah if, if it's a cavity uh, on the surface again the the you know separate the teeth uh orthosepar- uh, if it's a cavity, the decision's made for you. Uh, but in you a there. non-cavitated D two, occasionally you, you know you you find one. Do um, you, you do see them? Uh, and again, you know that is real. <laughs> uh, you know that is really pushing the boundary. Uh, you know many people would call that you know abject negligence, um, supervised neglect, whatever you whatever you like to call it. Um, but the textbooks would 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 tell us that the lesion is driven from the surface, from the biofilm, and you know, and if the patient is cleaning that surface, that even a D two lesion. Um, uh, so yeah, that that that's that's uh, that's a tricky one, um, mm-hmm. uh, but, and of course, most D two lesions, in my experience. Um, you know, when you actually drill into the marginal ridge to begin with, you make your access cavity. You see straight away from the inside that there's a, that you know there's a cavity there, and so it's the right. You know, you've made the you've made the right decision. Um, yeah. um, uh, again, tunnel preps um, uh, they, they kind of went out of fashion. Uh, so are they are they you'd, back you'd, you'd, in you'd, fashion now? Um, well, they went out of fashion originally because they were glass ironing was used to do the restoration. Uh, And glass iron is not strong enough uh, to support the marginal ridge over time. So you tend to find, you know, they worked, they stopped the lesion, but then what happened is that the the marginal ridges on average tend to fracture because the glass iron was a bit too bouncy uh, uh, underneath. But now, of course, you've got bulk-filled composite materials that we can inject into these cavities uh, and really quite radio-opaque materials as well. Always tricky, uh, you know. Even with magnification, to be certain that you removed all of the caries from the tunnel prep. Uh, but I've done a, I've done a few um, uh, uh, in fairly uh, in fairly recent years. Because the nice thing is there uh, is you preserve the marginal ridge um, uh, and you sort of attack the lesion sort of directly. Uh, but, uh, tunnel prep tricky sort of thing, especially without magnification. Um, uh, you know, obviously you've got a scope, fantastic, uh, you mm. know, uh, 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 go for it. But ball film materials is just so good now that, you know, you can just inject their nice thin cannula, very radio opaque, low polymerization, shrinkage stress. Um, obviously you put a matrix band in anyway, so you should get a really good, uh, contour because you're literally filling up from the inside, um, uh uh, uh and you're not involving the proximal surface at all
0: because you've got the marginal ridge guiding the matrix that should get a quite a close adaptivity
1: yep. uh, in, that, yep. in that scenario Wait, you- um, uh, and you can optimize your wedge. has got a good tip from, you mentioned Jason Smithson, uh, mm-hmm. good tip from him. You know, if you're not getting a great wedge with your matrix band, uh, just modify that with some PTFE tape, either round the wedge or stuff it in on top of the wedge um, or a little bit of flowable composite outside the matrix as well to just optimize your uh, your seal. Uh, yeah, restorative dentistry, you know, we've got lots of lots of tricks, uh, lots of tricks to fill really quite sort of try, quite, tricky cavity shapes.
0: Cavities are something that, uh, you know, like I said, on social media, you see all these small makeovers. I tend to post quite a few um, restorations. just fast restoration. I think class two is real art um, to get the correct matrixing, the correct wedging, the correct gingival removal in some, <clears throat> some cases to actually allow the correct emergence profile of your uh, matrix. So I, 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 it's an aspect of I enjoy. Lo- I, I enjoy a lot. And I think it takes a lot of care and attention to do correctly. Uh, and, and, it, and it can't be rushed these things. Um, the, the, that's just a point I made. But the question I want to finish on, uh, Lewis, if you don't mind, is yeah. a DO restoration on a five, for example, comps it, and you just see like a discolored margin all the way around and dentists are drilling this out and I've seen it a lot yeah. saying, Oh yeah, you got, you got leakage. You need, you need a new restoration. Isn't that just the biggest baloney? Ever. Is, is that a Robin Hood <laughs> dentistry? Uh,
1: it, it is. Uh, um, uh, we, again, I think Edwina Kidd um, published, uh, Professor Kidd at Kings, uh, guys, uh, Kings down in, uh, down in London, um, you know, published a lot of the work on this uh, and just showed that we, we remove way too many restorations. Um, uh, and that most of them are functionally absolutely fine. The correlation between marginal stain and secondary caries is almost zero. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, uh, And I'm glad that you made this point to end with, because we've mainly been talking about primary caries lesions, which are difficult enough. But when you add secondary caries into the mix, you know, you take a, like you say, you've got a stain around the margin, you take a radiograph, uh, there's a radiolucency, uh, cervical, what is it? Is it caries? Is it some sort of lining? Is it bonding resin? Uh, is it polymerization shrinkage? Is it a void? Uh, so incredibly difficult, um, but we do take out way too many fillings. That's been proved uh, beyond doubt. Um, uh, a, a good, a good uh, I'm coming out with all the old quotes, uh, is that, you know, um, Composites can look, you know, uh, uh, can look better than they are. Uh, and amalgam um, looks can look worse than it actually is. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, these materials can uh, can sort of uh, uh, sort of uh, caries will move more slowly under an amalgam restoration. That's for sure because the breakdown products of the corrosion, um, uh, you know, bacteria just don't like those. Um, but, uh, but it is tricky. Kerry's uh, uh, um, uh, well, stain around composite restoration is a super tricky one to do. Uh, obviously, if it's aesthetics, that tips the balance um, in favor of maybe localized repair or maybe even restoration uh, replacement. Um, but, uh, but yeah, if we replaced every single composite with a stain margin, we would never, ever do have time to do anything else. Um, because, you know, the, the materials do develop positive, negative edges over time. Even the best restoration, um, you know, it is going to show up some marginal stain with time. Um, and, and obviously, when that restoration is removed, that cavity is getting bigger. So if we can adopt a, a more conservative approach to restoration replacement, and let's face it, more than 50% of everything that you, me, every GDP listening to this around the world does, involves the replacement of existing restorations, Um, not the management of primary disease. But the more restorations we put in, the more problems we create for ourselves, um, actually diagnosing have they failed or not. The... um, Again, the, the diagnosis of restoration failure is a complete science, uh, a separate science and classification system all on its own. Very, very tri- tricky uh, and just so subjective, um, uh, 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 you know, from clinician to clinician, depending on, you know, their, their clinical experience, the material that's being used uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and what they were taught. It's easy Brilliant. to replace a restoration, but you know uh, to, to think to think about it. Does it actually need to be replaced? You know, I think you know that that's why five years at dental school uh, it actually makes us think about these things rather than just if it was just knee jerk stain equals replace, then anybody could do it.
0: Absolutely, it's just a point I made because I, I you know it's it's something that happens still, uh, and you really have to sort of challenge that I think. Um, and it's been great having you uh, on the show today. You've given some great, uh, what the, what the kids are calling knowledge bombs nowadays. So you really shared uh, so, yeah, yeah, I know. Um, so, so that's great. So thanks so much Lewis, for, for coming on and, and, and talking about a really important topic, uh, and, um, mentioning some great legends in cariology and operative dentistry. And, uh, it's, it's been a, it's been a great, uh, chatting to you been
1: a pleasure to chat to you, Jazz. Thank you very um, much. Th- thanks for everyone who's listened.
0: Thank you so much for, for watching all the way to the end. Uh, please do support the rbbmasterclass.com course. I would really appreciate to have you on. Uh, subscribe on the YouTube or the IGTV if you're watching on either of those platforms. Or if you're listening, you might want to go back and check the video part to, to see what the lesions look like that we're talking about. Anyway, catch you in the next episode. Thanks again. Thank you so much for listening.